it's about that time. For the inside trim. You know that nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? You better be ready, bro. Because you're about to get inside trim. And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? All right, all right, all right. Yes, we are definitely back. Episode number 21 of the Inside Trip Wrestling oh, yeah. Podcast. This is Brandon Olinger, and as always, I'm joined with my main homeboy, partner in crime, Ben Watson. What up, what up, what up? What is up, Ben? How you doing, bro? Doing great, man. It is, uh, you know, tis the season because it's finally feeling fantastic outside here in Ohio. What was it, 75 and sunny today? Oh, this weekend was great. Oh, this man. weather is beautiful. I know. It, it it definitely makes me realize that it's not wrestling season anymore. It is not. Or I say college wrestling It's not season. college wrestling yeah. season. Lots of other wrestling stuff going on. Oh, man. That's what I've heard. Dudes. All right. Let, let's just get through some of the, uh, I don't know what you call it. Mumbo the, jumbo? The mumbo jumbo bullcrap. Um, episode number 21. That's right. We are back again. You can follow us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. Send us an email to the Inside Trip One at gmail.com. Speaking of emails, we've gotten lots of great emails lately. We love it. Thanks so much, everyone, for the feedback, the questions, the comments. We love all of it. Um, any way that Ben and I can engage in more wrestling talk with people just makes it all the more better for us. Um, as always, you can find our podcast at all your typical podcast places. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Listen, just subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, anything you can give us, we appreciate. We, we appreciate it, and we appreciate the emails. You know, trying to send some emails back. I know I owe a couple people a few emails back because um, this week I'm super busy, but I love seeing emails I do too. when they want to talk about wrestling because it's just it's it's neat to get a different perspective from from people and to hear you know what we're not crazy we we a lot of us think the same things with with what we like to talk about. I agree with you, man. So for for our normal listeners, as you've known, the last few weeks we've been kind of doing some um, athlete interviews. We've been fortunate enough to have two time All American Eric Montoya on. Um, we had All American Zach Brunson on. Um, last week we had a great conversation with multi-time national champ, uh, multi-time U.S. team member Julia Salata. What a great conversation that was! Um, and again, Ben and I are—we are carrying that theme this week. We got a special je- guest joining us tonight. Um, for you Ohio listeners out there, this one's for you. This is one of our favorite wrestlers to follow this year. One of the guys that we said that we were rooting for no matter what. Um, we got George DiCamillo coming on here in a few minutes. Um, I thought he had one of the most interesting stories of the year. You know, I, I mean, agree. Tell him. Dude has made the blood round three times in a row. Yep. And lost all three times. And to me, you know, thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, how do you even function going into, you know, the NCAA tournament as a senior? I would have been a mess, you know, a mental midget mess, and that's probably the reason why people like George DiCamillo succeed, and I'm sitting here drinking a beer, talking wrestling with you. <laughs> no no offense, but it was really neat to get his perspective on his thoughts going into his final year and how he, um, how he um, prepared himself for the potential of, you know, either All-American or not All-American, whereas us, we're thinking, 
look, this is it. This is your last chance. Either you get it done or you don't. And he didn't necessarily think that way, you know, and I think that he kind of trained himself not to think that way. And one of my favorite things I think we've done since we've done these interviews is ask these um, ask the people that we've we've interviewed, you know, what's your mindset and thought process going into a match where basically your season's going to be defined on this one match? Correct. And um, it turns out that the way I thought I would feel about those is a lot different than the way these guys feel, which which means I think that's probably why they're having success is they're not taking it as live or die. You know, they're taking it more as just another match. I know that's cliche. So I thought through our process of the four interviews that we've done um, that that's the, the thing that I've learned the most is that their mindset is a lot more is a lot different, more different than I thought it would be. No, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, we commented on that on that earlier when we were done kind of having that conversation with Georgie. Um, you know, it, it just goes to the speak. It, it just goes to speak to the level of not only are these guys such high level athletes you know, in their individual craft, but mentally, I mean, there is such a big difference between, you know, mentally between guys that just wrestle in college or guys who have just yeah. wrestled or, or, or girls who have just wrestled and those that have had success at the highest of levels. You know, you always hear, you know, in the past, you know, wrestling to what, 90% mental? I, yeah, and I, it's, I think it is. So... We got that coming up for you guys in just a bit. Um, I think it was a, a an outstanding interview. Georgie has a lot a, a lot of great perspective to provide out there, not just for us, the wrestling fans, but even also for young wrestlers coming up. Um, so we're going to play that for you in just a bit. Um, over the last few weeks, obviously, we've been doing these interviews. Ben and I haven't gotten to talk, you know, touch a lot on a lot of the kind of you know news and stuff coming out of out of wrestling right now. Um, you know, one thing, Ben, I just want to kind of get your opinion on, sure. um, is it me or is this Pittsburgh coach search turning into an absolute train wreck? Yeah, you know, and I don't, I, that's a great question. I know we've talked briefly about it the other day. I don't know as much about it as it sounds like you do, but I'm just trying to figure out why it's so hard to get a qualified coach to coach the university of Pittsburgh. I mean, we all know it's the sleeping giant. You know, I think that term's been it thrown around. Be. Yeah, but, but, but. More than just that, I mean, you know, it's an ACC school. Right. You know, just – I know it's located in – it's obviously located in, you know, arguably the best wrestling location um, outside of Cleveland. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, George DeCamillo is on tonight. I can say that. Um, <laughs> that's our that's our Ohio bias yeah, coming out. So how are they – it sounds like somebody screwed the pooch on this one. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, I don't think it's been probably – I don't think it's been handled as well as what – a it could have been handled. Um, and this is all just going off of conjecture and rumors that we've heard or that we've read. Um, and it's unfortunate because some of the people, some of the coaches that they've brought into this are very, very, very well-respected coaches in, you know, in college wrestling, you know, guys like Tim Flynn and Pat Santoro, you know, uh, you know, I, I read a, a um, I guess a, a news reporter, a wrestling reporter, um, kind of tweeting out there that said that you know before the new AD came in that it was pretty much a done deal that Pat Santoro was leaving Lehigh for Pittsburgh, and that's what I heard from my source. You know, uh, one of my buddies that uh, coaches in that coaches, area, correct? Yeah, he coaches in that area for a, he coaches for a college program. Um, you know, he texted me and said that Pat Santoro to Pitt's pretty much a done deal, a done deal. Um, and then they brought this new athletic director in, um, and I, you know, I don't. 
I'm not going to say anything bad about this AD. Heck, she's the one when she was the interim AD for Ohio State. She's the one that made the Tom Ryan hire. So obviously she's had a little, a little success in that area. But the way it was kind of the story was kind of told was is that it was a done deal with Santoro, and then she kind of came in, and unfortunately she really, really, really wanted Lou Roselli, and she reached out to Roselli, and you know Roselli the good guy that he is and the probably the stand-up guy that he is said, no, I'm not going to leave Oklahoma after being here for a year, his first head coaching job ever, you know? And I think that was the right decision on his part. Yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, you can look at it both ways. I think it would have looked poorly on him in some aspects to leave, you know, but in other aspects, you know, when that's your career, if you're going to get a huge pay bump, I, I wouldn't have blamed him. The thing is, I don't know. The pay differential. I got to imagine he's making some decent money out there in Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma is one of the most storied programs in the country. It's yeah. definitely more storied than Pittsburgh. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, um, so yeah, I don't think it's. It, it's just amazing that a school with as much potential as Pittsburgh in the area that it's been in is having such a hard time attracting a high level coach. I said David Taylor when you first asked me this a long time ago when the spot first came open. I think you said Colot. Man, I still think David Taylor would do wonders there. People in Ohio and people in Pennsylvania love him. Yeah, I just don't think David Taylor's ready ready to coach right now. Well, he said I that. mean, obviously he's yeah. obviously not he, ready he to coach. That, yeah. Um you know, and then the other thing that's concerning in this is you know, Flynn by all accounts just from what I've been able to 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 read and and gather basically said thanks but no thanks because he can't get the commitment from the administration to upgrade the facilities and you know i mean listen we we've joked around on on twitter and social media that rest, college wrestling is becoming an arms race much much like college football has become and part of that arms race look if it's not for the the talent it's for coaches and if it's not for coaches it's for facilities and i mean that's got to be a big recruiting tool wouldn't you say well yeah everybody loves that you know nice little new shiny toy you know and so you look at Ohio State, who's got a great facility right now, I think, and they're going to build a new one. Yeah, they you, break ground next yeah. month. I mean, yeah, go Tom Ryan, you know, for keeping up with that. Um, yeah, you know, I think that you, there's two two mentalities. You got, you know, the Edinburgh mentality. I don't know if you've ever seen their wrestling room, but yep. it, is, it is, it is, you know, my high school wrestling room. And, and I'm not trying to be rude. My high school wrestling room is better than Edinburgh's wrestling room. Okay. And then you have, you know, you know Cornell, who's got a wrestling room who has stands in it. I mean, literally awesome. Like they can mm-hmm. do dual meets there. Mm-hmm. Or you know, Ohio, not Ohio State's room. I'm um, blanking on one of those. What's one of the best rooms out there right now? Um, Penn State. Excuse me, Penn State. They okay. just they've just done a bunch of updates to their room. So you have these different types of mentalities, man. You know, some coaches are going to find the kids that are going to want to come to these hard nosed blue collar areas and work out. But those aren't typically the the you know top two, top three recruits in the country. You know, those are typically the guys that you find um, that you kind of develop, and you know, you find a, a gem in the, in the, you know, a diamond in the rough. So, I think if you want to get those top guys, you need to you need to put money into the facilities. Sure, I think it's it, you know, it says a lot though that a school such as Pittsburgh, in the area that they're in, competing in a in a pretty solid wrestling conference by all accounts the ACC is becoming one of the the more solid wrestling conferences um is struggling to find a coach in and you know now i guess it's rumored that that you know that bono from uh south dakota state is going to be interviewing there next week um 
it kind of makes me sad on one account because I like what he's done at South Dakota State, and I, I like to see those types of programs grow. Um, you know, but at the same time, what do you think? You you think he wants to make a jump ship like that? Well, you gotta get you got you gotta get used to it. The more the more the money that's thrown into the sport of wrestling, the more you're gonna see this. So you I think mean, ultimately it goes back to dollars? Well, yeah, and I mean it's not like it's not the dollars like football dollars, but look, coaches sure. leave all the time in football. Football, basketball, places. both. There totally is, yeah, there is stepping stone schools. Yep. You know, and South Dakota State right now is a stepping stone school. Now Pitts, Pittsburgh, you know, and that's that, that that's again that means no offense. You know, Pittsburgh is a school that just has a ton of potential in terms of location. If they fund that program, same with Cleveland State, and I say this all the time. If they would fund Cleveland State, now I think there's some different dynamics between Pittsburgh and Cleveland State. Cleveland State's a commuter college. Yeah, well, it's not, not so that. much anymore, but it used to be. It's got a stigma of that. But it's obviously in a different um, a different conference. But, I mean, dude, Cleveland State and Pittsburgh should both be better. And I think, that they're gonna, I think they will get better, but who knows? Well, for any South Dakota State fans that are listening, Chris Bono, if you just happen to listen, I put it on Twitter and I'm going to say it again. Hashtag get jacked sounds so much better than hashtag get panthered. Get get sex panthered. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it like, does sound like the slogan to Sex Panther Cologne. <laughs> and without further ado, no, 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 you're right. We just kind of wanted to touch base on that. So no, anyway, I'm glad we talked about that. Anyway, guys, uh, listeners out there, um, as we said, we got a nice interview here for your listening pleasure with um, three time blood round loser. <laughs> finally there you go finally not only getting the monkey off his back his senior year but making the ncaa finals becoming a national runner-up that's george d camillo at 141 pounds from the university of virginia we hope you enjoy listening to his interview much as much as we had conducting it with him so without further ado let's go ahead and get it played up for you all right, what's up, everybody? Tonight we have with us George DiCamillo uh, here for episode 21. Um, George is the University of Virginia wrestler who, as many of you probably already know, made the NCAA finals, was a runner-up at 141 pounds this season. George, man, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate having you as a guest. Uh, Got to ask, man, how's it feel to hear that, uh, that, those, those words before your name, All-American? Man, it feels awesome. Uh, there's a huge monkey off my back, obviously, with uh, you know being the round of twelve three times, and uh, you know just kind of the way I did it, it kind of taught me a lot about myself. And yeah, it just feels good to be an all American and say I finally did it. Oh, definitely, man. You know, we were rooting for you, obviously, as Ohio guys. You're actually, you know, we've had a couple guests before. You're the first guy from Ohio. So we're really excited about it because uh, Brandon and I are obviously from Ohio. We both wrestled in Ohio when we were younger, and then we coached, um, you know, high school in Ohio for a while. So talk to me about uh-huh. talk to me about this. You're from Cleveland area, which is an extreme, yep. which is an extreme hotbed for wrestling. It's kind of different than some of the other guests we had on, like Eric Montoya, who was from New Mexico, didn't come from a place with, which which was big in wrestling. Talk to me about growing up in Cleveland and the re- wrestling atmosphere there. It was awesome. Uh, I grew up, I started wrestling in the Mayfield Wrestling Club on the east side of Cleveland. Uh, Tony Koss was my head coach, and he kind of got me into wrestling along with my dad. And it was it was really tough starting out. My first real partner was Johnny Julius. So right there in my room, like I had like bang, like awesome wrestler. Yeah. Nice. Like, he was my practice partner every day. Um, but yeah, it just, it taught me a lot because 
there was really good competition and uh I had to compete really hard every week. Uh I grew to love the sport at a young age and you know, we traveled all over the country from the time I was in fourth grade till I was in eighth grade. Um so yeah, it was just awesome growing up in Cleveland knowing that, you know, a lot of states don't have the kind of competition that we have and I'm kind of proud of that. It kind of made me into who I am. Oh heck yeah. Um so how old were you when you started, George? How old was I? I was probably Probably six years old. Okay, so you started out the gate. Is, do you remember why you started? What, did you bring home a flyer? Or That doesn't seem to happen up in Cleveland. It's kind of just ingrained in you. Yeah, definitely uh, ingrained. My, my dad wrestled in high school, so uh, initially I would say it was mostly him wanting me to start wrestling, kind of pushing me a little forward, kind of not forcing me, but saying, hey, let's go to wrestling practice. And I would cry. I hated it so much. I hated the practices, the smell of the room. It was, <laughs> it was grueling. I hated it so much. Um, do you remember any of those other guys? Oh. Do you remember any of the other kids? No, on the Mayf- do you remember any of the other kids on the Mayfield Wrestling Club? I guarantee we probably know some of those names. Oh yeah, um, kids like, uh, like my other joke, Tommy and Paletti was like my drill partner when I was a little kid, and he uh, he ended up. Not really wrestling much in high school and college, but he was my main drill partner. We got guys like Danny McNulty, Mike Carlo. Mike Carlo oh, wrestled yeah. for Cleveland State. Yeah, I know. He's still we a really know Mike. Good friend of mine. Yeah, we know Mike. Yeah, um, yeah. So many guys. The the Hayes brothers, Corey and Cody Hayes. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Like, I could name guys forever, but yeah, we were a really good team. I think my sixth grade year or fifth grade year or something like that, we uh, we finished second in the state as a team, which was really cool. Wow. Um, was that the, yeah, we uh we had an awesome room. Was that was that in the junior high like state tournament that you guys finished second in the state in? No, it was uh it was uh I don't know the name of the league or whatever, but it was at Firestone High School. It was a state tournament when I was in like fifth grade. I remember it was okay. grade school. It wasn't junior high. I got you. Um did you so you said you traveled from basically fourth grade to eighth grade all over the country. Um, what were some of the bigger tournaments you wrestled in around that, um, around that age time? Um, well, we went to Pennsylvania a lot. We, we, I wouldn't say we traveled really all over the country, mainly just, uh, like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, um, New Jersey. We went to Florida a couple times. Um, so we we mainly stayed on like the East coast and the Midwest, but still we, we traveled a ton. When I got really good was probably fifth or sixth grade and we started, hitting all those tournaments, seeing different, like, PA kids. And I just remember, like, when I was a little kid wrestling, like, all these guys who ended up doing really well in college as well. And just seeing kind of all of us grow up together, wrestle together, was was really cool. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, and by all accounts, man, you've, you had a pretty successful high school career. Um, I always thought it was not funny, but I I guess ironic that, you know, they say Iron Man is where state champs go to – you know, go to die, and you actually won more Ironman championships than you did state championships, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was I was fortunate enough to win the Ironman three times. And, I mean, yeah, Ohio is such a, a tough state that you know I was only able to win it twice, and you know, two of them, both times I won were were really close too. So I could have, by all accounts, been a, a note. Uh, couldn't never won states. It was it's always been really hard. So who did you win your two titles over? Uh, so my junior year, yeah, my junior year I won against Edgar Bright. It was an overtime match, classic 3-1, like state finals match. And then uh, my senior year I won against 
uh, Max Bird. He was from Cincinnati oh, LaSalle. Yeah. LaSalle. Yeah, we know him. He's pretty tough. Yeah, he was tough. Uh, I think he ended up wrestling D2 and uh, doing pretty well there. So. so your senior year at the state tournament, I actually was coaching against you. Do you remember a kid named Josh Parrott from Kettering Fairmont? Yeah, I do. Yeah, He was a freshman at the time. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's a little younger than me. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a little younger than you. Yeah, I remember you were – you kept on, and he's gotten a lot bigger than me, I think. <laughs> yeah, you kept on rushing two on one in us, the shit out of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my thing. It still is my thing. So, yeah, I uh, never really wanted to really tie up too much. Just always went with two on ones and, and risk control. Speaking of that, your, your thing back then, I saw you tweeted out something. It was kind of interesting lately. It was basically like. Um, you know, the top game that you used all through college was something you learned when you were 10 years old. What was that? What was your go-to? So, uh, okay, so when I was – I don't even know how old I was. I just said 10 just because I thought, you know, that was a roundabout age. But I went to Jeff Jordan camp when I was a little kid dozens of times, and uh, mm-hmm. he showed this top series, and he called it the Sugar Bowl. Oh, yeah. And it's basically – yeah, it's uh, a series where you get like a – you get a cross wrist, you feed it through, you get a, a ball on chain kind of, yep. and then the other arm that's free, you, you arm bar, and then you step over the head and figure four. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of turned that into my own thing. I hit a couple other moves off that too. Um, it was weird. Uh, for it, I was able to figure four the head. That's like the, the big thing about it is like figure four in the head, yeah. whether it should be legal or not. Um, it was legal all through when he, when Jeff taught me the move all the way to my junior year, yep. or my senior year, yep. they made it illegal in high school to That's figure right. for the head. So for the one year, my senior year, I had to kind of find a way to, to make it work for myself. And I did, but when I got to college, I was able to figure for the head again. And, and the amount of people I pinned with it throughout my career, I, you look at how many pins, I don't know how many pins I had in college, but. I bet you 95% of them were from that move. So it's, and that's why I think wrestling is cool. It's like, I'm able to turn a move like, like that, something that seems childish into something that works for me. It, it's really cool. I mean, you know what they, I mean, just even as wrestlers or as coaches in general, I mean, we're always telling people or thinking that, you know, if you're really good at the basics, you can win a lot of matches, you know, good stance, oh, yeah. good defense, you know, a good shot to each side. <coughs> I remember the old Sugar Bowl series. I actually, uh, I trained at Jordan's when I was in high school, so I remember I remember him teaching that vividly. Yeah, and it's it's just funny how you know, like you were saying, you find what works for you, you stick with the basics, and you know you don't you don't need all these flashy moves, and you just need repetition and finding what works for you, and and just becoming a master of it. And that's all I think. So talk to me about your high school career then. You were a four-time state placer, taking seventh as a freshman, third as a sophomore, and then obviously you won it twice. Um, you know, did that kind of meet expectations? Specifically, I guess your freshman year where you won that men or meat grinder district tournament. Our Ohio listeners know all about that. And then you, you took seventh. Uh, you know, I mean, were you, were you satisfied with that as a high school career? Um, my freshman year, yeah, sort of, because – you know, I, was, I came into high school, I was probably 90 pounds wrestling 103. And you know, just kind of getting my feet wet in the high school scene, not really expecting too much of myself. I was still young and immature and, and just kind of finding my identity in the sport. I'd say my sophomore year is when I really got competitive in the national scene. Um, you know, I was able to win Ironman and take third in the States in Ohio, which is mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, you know, I, I, I always set my, high, my goals really high. 
I, I came in wanting to be a four-time state champ. Um, but at the time, I, I really didn't know. I was just setting goals just to, because that's what I was taught to do. Um, but looking back at high school, I would say I'd say the one big regret I have, especially just because of the way this year worked out for me, um, I, I wish I wouldn't have cut as much weight in high school. I kind of regret that. Um, you know, I was, I mean, if you see pictures of me from high school wrestling, you, you see a really sucked out teenager, a kid who cut way too much weight and probably didn't look like he was having too much fun. I was doing a lot of winning and don't get me wrong, but man, I wish I wouldn't have cut as much weight. That's one big regret I have. But overall, I think I had a pretty successful college or uh, high school career. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I mean, that's a great point there, George. Um, t- tell the listeners here, you wrestled 103 as a freshman, right? Were you at 112 as a sophomore? Or no, I went back down to 103. Okay. I, was, uh, that, was, that was the worst year of my life. Yeah, I remember thinking that. And I, I remember, you know, watching you at State or, you know, just kind of talking with some of the other coaches at State that you looked like a – a, a really big, you know, three pounder, and that had to have been a hard pull for you. Um, speaking of that year, and, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you you took third that year. You lost in the semis. Was that to Dean Heil as well? Yeah, that was uh, me and Dean wrestled twice that year. He beat me in the semis in states. Yeah. Um, when when out? What was the other time that you guys wrestled? Was it at Ironman? Yeah, we wrestled in the in, uh, in the finals at Ironman. Okay, yeah. that's it. Was right. like a double overtime crazy match. Um, was that the only two <laughs> times that you guys wrestled in high school? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, we might have wrestled. We wrestled once at Disney Duels. I forget what year it was, but we wrestled once at Disney Duels, and he beat me again. But yeah, in terms of like St. Ed's, St. Ignatius, like. During the high school season, yeah, that's only two times we wrestled. Gotcha. So, do you call it Saint Ignatius or Saint Iggy? I call it Saint Ignatius. I was, I was never really the one for like acronyms and like kind of short saying things. All right. Well, I'm gonna call it Saint Iggy. Is that all right? <laughs> that's completely, it's completely fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I so, definitely know what you're talking about. No. So with Saint Ignatius, you guys had a pretty damn decent team. I, if, if I recall, Jerome Robinson, right? Yeah, I think it was Yeah, Jerome. Jerome. We had Dave Habit my first two years there. Yep. Um, we had a couple of like kind of guys who didn't really go on in college, but were good in high school guys like Ryan Hoyt, Mark yeah. Bryan, uh, Willie Long. Definitely had some tough teams back then. Um, Habit, what kind of teammate was Habit? He was always one of my favorite college guys to follow as well. Dave was awesome, man. He's, he's still one of my great friends now. He's out training at Michigan trying to – make a world Olympic team for Slovenia. But yeah, Dave, uh, he was a great teammate in that he, he set a good example. He was always a lead by example kind of guy. Um, at the time, you know, my last season with Dave, he was, it was my sophomore year. So I was one Oh three. So I don't know if he wrestled 45 or 52, whatever the weight was back then. He was a lot bigger than me. Yeah. So we didn't get to wrestle as much, but, but Dave always just set a great example for me inside and outside of the room. And, you know, as he kind of made that transition into college, it, it taught me a little bit of what, like, the recruiting process was like and and kind of the mindset for, like, a senior who's trying to defend the state title, kind of the, the approach he took. So I, I learned a lot from Dave. And then throughout college, we stayed in touch, even while we were both still competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we we're always talking to each other. We're just we're good friends. And nice. He's, uh, he's a great guy. 
Very cool. So speaking of college, um, I mean, obviously you went to Virginia, uh, a school that's obviously got a, a very high academic reputation as well as a pretty solid wrestling reputation as well. Um, what other schools were you interested in or were, you know, recruiting you and ultimately what made you choose Virginia? So my junior year is when I started uh, actually opening the letters, seeing all the emails, just kind of taking, uh, taking like, actually taking interest in the, my college search. After the state tournament my junior year, I went on a round trip. Uh, it was spring break, and me and my parents took, uh, took a van, and we went to all these different schools. We took a six- or seven-school round trip. We went Lehigh, uh, UVA, Virginia Tech, UNC, NC State, back up through Ohio State and home. Um, wow. That's those are the kind of the schools I took on a, and, and yeah, it was my entire spring break, my junior year. So I didn't really get to have, I went to see the schools, which was fun, but I didn't have a traditional spring break really. Um, but yeah, I took trips to those schools and, and those weren't the only schools I took, uh, just official visits to schools. My, my first official, my first official visit actually was Campbell, Campbell university really? when, uh, Joe Boardwine was still there. Me yeah. and my buddy, Nate Skenesny went on an official there together. It was a blast and we love coach board wine. So that was our first official visit. I took an official visit to West Virginia and then, uh, Ohio state and UVA. Um, but ultimately it came down to Ohio state and UVA. And it was a really tough choice. Uh, obviously we're all Ohio guys here. We sure. kind of want to stay in state. And that was, that was coach Ryan's big, big pitch was you're a home state guy representing your home state. Um, but, and it was nothing against coach Ryan. He's an awesome guy. Coach Roselli at the time and, and Jay, they were all awesome. But but UVA was my home. I felt it the second I got here. The guys showed me love. The coaches really invested in me as a person and an athlete. Um, and, I mean, the education here is second to none. I mean, it's a school that it's unbelievable, and I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. That's awesome. I mean, it's hard to uh... – kind of hard to argue with the decision you made obviously you've uh you know aside from the three years before this year I mean finishing as runner-up at 141 pounds and getting that great education to go along with it man it seems like you made the right choice yeah um and it was hard yeah definitely because you know Ohio State's an awesome in-state school the the training center there is second to none I mean you guys you have guys like Kyle Snyder competing for Olympic championships and world championships and, you know, that kind of culture of the team, it's, it's hard to pass up. I mean, they definitely have great things going on there. I have nothing but good things to say about not only Ohio state, but all the schools I visited. I had, I didn't have any bad experiences on my visits. Um, but yeah, it, it came down to, to coach Garland uh, and coach lean and all the other coaches there at the time. Um, they just, they showed me so much love and, and they made me buy into the fact that they they believed that I could do it there, um, do, do it as in win a championship there at UVA, or at least they were going to put me in the spot where where they thought they I could compete to win. Um, so I, I think it's great that you brought up Coach Garland and Coach Lean. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone knows Coach Coach Garland is the the head coach at Um how, how big of a role does Jordan Lean play? in that program and talk about the impact that, that he's had on your career. I, I could do a whole podcast on, on what <laughs> Jordan's meant to me. 
throughout this this five years and even before that. I remember I was at my aunt's house while I was getting recruited, and me and Jordan sat on the phone for a half hour talking about uh, a Kairos retreat that I was going to lead later that month. And ever since then, we just kind of it, – it wasn't even about being a coach or being, you know, an instructor in the room. It was just about being my friend and being – you know, being there for me. And that's what Jordan's been for me the last five years is he's been a friend and he's been receptive to me. He's been, you know, individually, he's, he's, he's brought me on trips to camps with him to where we were able to work one-on-one technique and, you know, have fun with each other and just share so many memories. And it, it was a big part of my development. It, it taught me that it taught me a lot more, a lot more about myself than just wrestling. Um, my relationship with Jordan's awesome. Uh, on and off the mat. He's been a huge part of my development. So Jordan came from Cornell, correct? He was a national champ at Cornell, right? He was a national champ, I believe, as a junior. Yeah. And uh, I think he he did work with Duke a little bit um, before I got there. But when I got there, it was his second season at UVA. So. I mean, so obviously he had a lot of experience kind of, you know, balancing a rigorous academic schedule as well as as well as the rigors of wrestling. Um, was he able to kind of gu- guide you through that your first year or two, on, you know, at the school? Yeah, uh, he definitely embodies a, a mindset of academics being first. I mean, he he was a pre-med, uh, I think he was a nutrition major, but he was pre-med at Cornell basically signing up to do med school and you know god led his heart a different way and he wanted to be a wrestling coach so he definitely knows the the academic side of things for sure um and he's helped me with that a lot uh he and coach garland and everyone else at uva awesome okay so we kind of talk about you know why you chose virginia so you step on campus what's the biggest thing you learn right away from a wrestling perspective between high school and, you know, when you first get in the room in Virginia? The first thing I learned in the room was that I was a big dog in high school. I was, I kind of came from a, from a wrestling club in high school where, you know, you kind of had to earn your keep. You kind of had to earn your rep and, and kind of, you get what you earn where there's a lot of tough guys in the room and you kind of build respect for yourself by the way you carry yourself. So, uh, get into the room, college first day, they, uh, they partnered with Joe Spizak. Joe Spizak was our oh, yeah. 33 slash 41 at the time. He's a freaking bear. He's awesome. He's tough as nails. Get in the room, first workout, smack hands, start my first live go. 10 seconds in, get headlocked. <laughs> Held on my back for about a minute. Let's me up, go back out there, start wrestling around a little bit, maybe sneak a take, uh, a take down here and there, get back up, headlock, get back up, headlock, get headlocked three times in my back the first practice, and I learned that it's a whole different ball game. Yes, whole different was ball funky, game wasn't he? Yeah, he was funky, but he was strong. Is that One right? of the strongest dudes I've ever wrestled, and uh, and yeah, I, I learned. I learned a couple things that day. I learned that college is a whole new game, and I learned kind of how to bounce back from adversity. Um, I I went back to my dorm that day, and I was really really down. I was like, "What did I sign up for?" Like I was, I thought I was good. Like I just I just was ranked number one in the country at 120, and now 
getting headlocked in the room three times. Like, what if people saw that? Like, yeah. I cared about what other people saw. I was down about my performance, and you know, I really learned a lot about myself and how I respond to adversity, kind of how I approach the sport just from an effort standpoint rather than looking for a certain result, looking for, oh, I got to get four takedowns in two minutes. Just kind of the immature thoughts I had as a high school kid going into a practice. So, yeah, it kind of humbled me a little bit. And, you know, from there, I just hit the ground running when I had guys like Joe and all the other alumni who were around me. People probably wouldn't know it that much, but that day taught me a lot. No, I, I, it makes total sense. And I, I, since you've since you've kind of brought it up a little bit, if you had one piece of advice to give a a high level recruit coming into a college wrestling program, uh, what what would that be? Um, be open, be receptive, and and you know just enjoy the process, and and then don't look for you know. I want to win four national championships. I want to do X, Y, Z. Focus on the process. Don't really get fixed on results and just be receptive and willing to learn. I was, and I, in some ways I definitely still am, but I was much more of a hardhead than I, I was much more of a hard, a hardhead back then than I am now. Meaning I thought my way was the way or it was the highway for everyone else. Uh, I thought my way was the best just because I got results when I was in high school. Um, and it was definitely wrong. Um, I've gotten humbled a lot of times in, in college, in, in and out of the room. And uh, I, I had to kind of put myself, take a step back and acknowledge the, the amount of help I have at UVA, whether it's sports psychology, nutrition, strength and conditioning. In every aspect there, I, I've kind of thought, I was an expert, but then I was humbled by the people around me. So just just be receptive and willing to take a step back and, and trust the process. Awesome. That would be my biggest piece of advice to anybody going into college. That's pretty good advice. That's actually fantastic advice. That, that's some of the best stuff I think I've ever heard on this podcast, um, besides besides when I talk. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so did it? tell me about – because, you know – to to a way lesser extent, you know, I was, you know, the same way when I went in as a freshman and, you know, were some of the seniors kind of, you know, did they not befriend you right away? Did they kind of make you earn it or kind of, you know, say, all right, we know you were a stud in high school, but like you said, this is a whole new ball game or was everybody kind of collegial and rallying around at the time? Um, no, quite the opposite. Uh, I would say you're right in the sense in the room, they definitely made me earn my keep. I, I came in you know, I, I expected to do really well in everything I did in the room, but I was humbled really quickly, like I said, with guys like Spizak and like when Matt Nelson around, were around. Even guys like Matt Snyder, oh, he was a nightmare to wrestle. Um, but, no, outside of the room, we, even throughout the recruiting process, everyone was my friend. Everyone, everyone friended me right away. And it was, I mean, that's one of the big reasons I decided to come to UVA was it's cliche, but it felt like a family. It felt like a warm family being seven hours away from home. I I needed that family like atmosphere and UVA provided that, especially the wrestling team. Um, So yeah, they, it was definitely a warm welcome for me in that sense, but they made me my keep in in the room. That's for sure. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Okay. So you decided to, or I don't know who decided, but talk to me about the process of deciding that you weren't, (laughs) that you weren't going to redshirt as a freshman that you felt, okay, I'm ready to go, um, you know, wrestle on a national scene. Okay, so it starts with, with me 
coming in at 140 pounds, wanting to try and go 25. I was like, all right, 25 is going to be because you know they have all those projections of what yeah. weight guys are going to be in college, and uh, George DeCamo is going to be a 125 pound recruit. And so I made 25, or I never actually made 125. I made 127 for our wrestle offs, and I wrestled off two of my best friends. And I was going to be Snyder's backup. I was going to redshirt. <coughs> and everything was going to be fine. And I was cutting for my first open when I actually had to make 125. Me being the hard head I am at the time, have no nutritional values. I work out way too much. I don't sleep as much as I should. And making 25 never happened. And I said, Coach, I'm going 33. All right, cool. Going 33. We're doing it. Garland was cool with so, that. Uh, yeah, Garland was cool with it. He, uh, he saw how down I was in the room, how not myself I was. And so he was like, all right, we're going to do this thing. We're going to go 33. Uh, so I go to my first two opens. I win my first two opens. I win the, the Hokie Open, um, and I win uh, the Wolfpack Open, and uh, the one at NC State. Mm-hmm. And uh, me not really paying attention too much to the the college season that's happening, Spizak, the, the kid I was talking about before, he uh, he was 33, and he was probably pulling just as much weight, if not more, than I would have making 25. And uh, and he was making 33, and he did it a couple times, but the the weight wasn't for him. We'll just say that. And uh, so he went up to 41, and that kind of left this void. Like I remember that. Yeah. All right, who's gonna who's gonna go 33 now? Uh, we really didn't have anybody. So Garland pulled me aside after winning my first two opens and said, "Hey, we need you." We, we told you, you know, that this could happen and it could happen to anybody. And, you know, we believe in you. We love you. And uh, we want to do this thing. So said, whatever I could do to help the team, I'm ready. Uh, let's go try and win a national championship. So uh, I competed as a true freshman. And then that's, and that's all it all went down. Yeah, I mean, that's – and you can't – I guess looking back on it, it, it probably wasn't a bad choice. I mean, you went into the NCAAs, I think, as an 11 seed – um, you made it to the round of 12. Um, talk to me about, you know, what was your expectations going into that NCAA tournament that year? And then what was your biggest takeaways afterwards? Um, I would say my expectations for myself, you know, it, it, it's hard. I, as such a young wrestler, I, I really didn't have like a kid like Jack Mueller, his approach to the sport right now is awesome. And I definitely didn't have that as a first year. He truly believed he could have won nationals this year. And I think he could have. Yeah, I I agree Um, with you. But but I didn't have that kind of approach as a first year. I had guys like the finals in my weight that year were Logan Stever and uh, Tony Ramos. Right. And I've wrestled with Logan all my life. And and he might be a little closer now. And I still probably think he beat me, but – I, I wasn't I wasn't beating Logan when I was a true freshman. He was just really good. I got you. Um, so my expectations for myself, I, I wanted all American, but I, I was okay with the experience. I was content with 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 just the experience itself. You know, I got there, I got seated, I got. I kind of regret getting upset in the first round. I, I kind of wasn't ready. That was a big takeaway: being ready for for any match, no matter if the guy's seated or not. I got upset by. Dane Harlow from Boston University. Yep. I got five the first ten seconds of the match, and I lost like 
ten to nine or something. Dane something ridiculous. Tough, Dane was a tough kid. I actually remember watching that match specifically. I really do. Yeah, I so bizarre. Like who? Uh, you, that's I mean, you talk takeaways. Like big takeaway right there. Never overlook anybody in college. Always be ready. Make sure your weight cut's good to the point where you're ready right away. Just the little things like that um, were both huge takeaways for me going out of my freshman year into my sophomore year, I guess. Okay, so I guess moving on to your sophomore year, you decided to redshirt then. Was there a particular reason why? Yeah, so uh, I guess not a ton of people know the story behind me redshirting my second year, but you know, I, I, I didn't get hurt during my, my freshman season, but I, I had a hip problem that that kind of hindered me from being 100%. I had complete hip reconstruction in December of my second year of college to where, you know, they cut my entire hip open, cut it all up, reformed it, put pins in, and wow, I was out for a year. I was out for an entire year. I, from Well, from December until October, I was, I was out of service. So, uh, so I could have wrestled that year at about, I think, 85%. I think I could have competed well. But, you know, ultimately I want to compete at 100%. I don't want to put a broken down George D. Camillo on the mat. I want to put the, I want to put the best product I can on the mat. And that's, and that's what it came down to. So, so the, you, you took that red shirt that year. You came back the next year. Um, you know, you had another, you know, by all accounts, successful, you know, regular season. I think you went into the, you went into the national tournament that year as a 12 seed. Um, and again, you know, obviously you lost in the round of 12 that year. What was that like for you having lost in the round of 12, you know, two years in a row, what was going through your mind at the time? Um, at the time, can you guys hear me okay? There's a helicopter flying above my head. Yeah. I was wondering what that was. I thought it was like your pet iguana or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I live right next to UVA Hospital, and there's a life flight coming down right now. And I'm like, man, I wonder if they – I'm trying to, like, walk away from it. I, I don't know if you guys can hear me. No, okay, we, you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you. There was a couple of times it sounded like you were standing, like, out in the wind or something, but it's all good. We hear you. Okay, cool. Um, So – sophomore year round of 12 uh yeah I was kind of kind of bummed just because you know I I went into the match I was wrestling AJ shop and you know I, I in the tournament I had beat the I don't know what he was seated but I beat Zane Richards in the second round I was I was feeling good you know I wrestled Cody Brewer who manhandled his way through the entire tournament correct um man he had a crazy tournament that so, year yeah, and he was a low seed guy too. So, so I was feeling good. Um, yeah, I just I I got caught on bottom. I escaped once, and then yeah, you know, I got caught in his cradle and got pinned in the round of twelve. So, I was a little disappointed in that. But all in all, I think it was a good year, a good rebound year for my surgery. But you know, the goal is all American. The goal isn't to be in the round of twelve. So, and I think that's a I think that's a really good point there. You know, because us to the casual fans and even to the diehard fans. Um, you know, we don't know what you're going through as, you know, coming off an injury like that. So sometimes it's easy to say, um, wow, you know, maybe that was a disappointment to him, but really you came back from a pretty serious injury and was able to go in seated at the national tournament and make it all the way again to the blood round. Um, unfortunately, you know, you weren't victorious that time, but I guess looking at it, that's, that's pretty successful. I mean, if you think about it. 
Yeah, but at the same time too, I don't want to. I don't want to give off the idea that you know, I, I was hindered in any way. I was completely ready to go, just as ready to go as I was two years ago and this season and any other season. Like, I, I was ready to go Fair by point. any by all stretch of the imagination. So, I guess, talk to me about your feelings after your after your sophomore year, round of twelve twice. I mean, did you? Ex- was your mindset a little bit different your sophomore year? Were you expecting to get it done, whereas your freshman year you kind of were, you, you know, not, I wouldn't say happy to be there, but, you know, you, you got a lot out of yourself A little content. There. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. the experience. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, a little more bummed out my sophomore year after I lost, just because I felt, you know, at, at that point in my life, wrestling-wise, I felt like like I deserved something. Like, I put in the work. I, I – did all the rehab that I could. I did all the runs I could, all the extra workouts. I felt like I, I deserved it because I put in the work, not because I went out and took it. Um, so that was, that was kind of a bummer for me at that point in my life. And, but at the same time, you know, that at that point, that was when the thought loomed in my head, like, all right, am I going to be able to make 33 again? And this was after my sophomore year. Right. So, those thoughts, those thoughts came into my head immediately following NCAAs. So I saw the guys who were succeeding at 141 uh, in the low to mid placement range, and I was like, okay, like I know I'm just as good as those guys. I know I am, but it was kind of a little bit of a fear of a new challenge, and you know whether I was going to make that jump to 41 as seamless as I wanted to. Um, so those are kind of the thoughts going through my head, just like. You know, I felt like I deserved it, but it got taken from me. Um, and then, you know, just the thoughts of, am I going to go 33 again? Was that the year that Shop lost in the first round and came back and took third? The year you wrestled him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was the year. He had a, a – I think he won the – I don't know what the name of the award is, but the, the award where you get the most pins in the, the least amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he that was, was the year. He was nasty on top. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you watch – even now these coaching at South Dakota State, if you watch a guy like Seth Gross wrestle, you can see little oh, glimpses yeah. of AJ Shop in there. No, we've we've mm-hmm. said that definitely. Like I'm I'm, I'm like probably ninety five percent sure. Like I'm not sure I'm getting out on him, but I'm not getting turned though. You know, if I go down <laughs> on him, <laughs> it's tough. It's it's really deceiving. Like I remember warming up for that match, and we were working on kind of how I was going to approach bottom. I, you know, first I got a takedown right away. He reversed me and uh, I was like, all right, what we've been working on, let's do it. And I got out. My strategy worked. I got out. And then, uh, so it, it's deceiving though, because the next time I went on bottom, he slapped the cradle on. So right. it's, he's a bear, man. Look, don't let Ben fool you. Ben loves to crack jokes. I've seen Ben get turned by a, by a good gust of wind anymore these nope. days. So. Nope. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting turned. I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling you right now, I'm not getting turned. I'm probably getting – he's getting hit for stalling it twice. Whatever. Too. Let's get back to George. All right. Hey, so, just, just, just part, part, part their defense. That's it. There That's you right, go. Man. So, George, talking about your junior year, man, again, another really successful re- regular season – um, you went into the national tournament as the sixth seed. I know you probably had big expectations for yourself going into that tournament. Um, you know, unfortunately, you made it to the blood round for the third time in a row. This time, you know, you lost to unseated. Uh, I think it was um, J- Jade Rouser. I think is who it was from um, Utah yeah. Valley. Yeah. What well, talk to me about that match and 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 really especially 
you know, your mindset coming, coming off the mat after that match? Um, well, it was probably definitely the hardest match to swallow of my college career. I mean, my mindset going into the match was just, it wasn't like, Hey, you've been in the blood round twice. Let's, let's get it done. Finally. No, it was nothing like that. Just kind of go out, compete as hard as you can for as long as you can. And, you know, hope the hope the outcome is in your favor, and that's the approach I took. Uh, you know, I was winning the match. You know, it was five or six to one going into the third. I got he picked neutral because I rode him for a ton of time. And I got bottom leg turked, and I look up at the clock, and it's like six to six, yeah. or something like that. It's 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 tied, and no, he's up by one, but I still have. So the riding time, I remember vividly looking at the clock. And the riding time was going down, and the the time was obviously going down, but the time would have ended to where I would have had fifty nine seconds of riding time, oh. and I would I remember I remember seeing that. I was like, okay, I, I have to get out. Like I have to do everything I can to get out. And by the time I was done fighting off my back, I think it was just a a culmination of an entire year of sucking so much weight. I, I had nothing left. I, n- I never felt anything like that in my life. I fought like hell to get off my back. And then when I did, there, there was nothing left, nothing left but a, a body on the mat. Um, so I think, you know, after that match, I just, you know, there's nothing you could do, but, but just cry and, and, and just feel for the situation. And it, it sounds like, you know, it's kind of like the storybook that's unwinding with the same mistake happening over and over. Like, when is it, when am I finally going to be an All-American? I've done everything right. Going back to my second year, you know, the mindset of I deserve this. If anyone deserves this, it's me. I do everything right. Like kind of, kind of expecting that for myself because I put in the work, but that's definitely not the case. Like, you know, so often people, you know, think they deserve something because they did all the right things. No, you got to go out and take it. You got to earn it. You know, you don't get awards for training the hardest. You don't get awards for eating the right things. You you get it for earning it. So after the match, it's just like, we got to take a new approach to this because we've done the same thing three times in a row. And it'd be really hard-headed to do the same thing four times in a row. Yeah, that's that's pretty good uh, self-reflection right there. And I think you t- made another great point that, you know, everybody's doing the right things. Everybody's eating right. Everybody's training hard. Um and again, you got to go out there and take it. So, I mean, you just kind of transitioned it right, right into the next question that we had for you is why you, you know, why did you make that jump to 141? And I, I think you kind of summed it up right there. Correct. Yeah. It's like, you know, the decision to go 41, it, it didn't really happen until October because the plan was to go 33 until about middle of October. Nah, I wouldn't say middle, beginning of October, end of September, around there. But from March until that point, I had the same struggle I had, you know, going from my second year to my third year, um, my sophomore year to my junior year. Is like this thought, like, how do I stack? Like my, the internal thought of comparing myself to somebody else instead of getting my value from from what I could bring to the table myself. You know, for so long, you know, I look at the guys in the top of forty one and see guys like. You know, guys I've beaten before, All-American at 41, like, you know, why do I have to kill myself to get down to 33 when I know I can compete with these guys at 41? Those are the thoughts. And then scary thoughts of, you know, 
can I win? You know, can I, if I can't all American at 33, am I going to all American at 41? So just like self doubt kind of loomed with me a little bit going into the year. And then something. George, you're breaking up a little bit. Around 49 pounds. You hear me? Uh, you're breaking up a little bit, George. I think it's that damn Hello? helicopter. You there? Yeah, we can hear. Can you hear us? <laughs> you there? Yeah, we're here. We hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, you okay, were you cool. were talking about how uh, kind of something in your head uh, kind of switched to to make you want to go 41. Yeah. So we got. Uh, so one of our resident athletes this year, he just came in for this year, Frankie Pirelli. Um, we were wrestling one Old day. Oh, Cornell guy, right? Yeah, he was a Cornell guy too. Uh, he's still training with us here at UVA, and uh, I got to know him really well, you know, over the last year or so. And we were just wrestling one day, and you know, all summer we were talking about, you know, he was egging me on, like, why don't you just go forty-one? You know, like, what is there to lose at this point? Like, you know, you've done everything. Like, you feel strong now. Like, like why not? You know. So honestly, I'm, I'm a switch just hit in my mind in September and kind of the whole theme for my entire senior year was just like throw caution to the wind. Screw it. I'm going 41. I'm trying as hard as I can. And you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'm way too strong. I'm way too good training at this weight to not utilize it. And so that was the whole mentality I brought for the entire year was just screw everything else, screw everyone else. Kind of just like this effort mentality where I'm, I'm worried about myself and I'm not, I'm not worrying about everybody else. I'm I'm being selfish. I'm being, you know, I'm finding my value in myself and not in what others think and all that stuff. And, you know, I think it paid off. It paid off taking a new approach to things for once. It definitely did. I, You know, I think there's nothing that can make a person hate wrestling more than cutting a ton of weight. Yeah, definitely. I agree to that. And I'll, I'll when I do clinics and all the stuff, as I go home, like, if there's a message I – if my story doesn't say a message and my, what I say to kids isn't enough, the message is my biggest regret until this year was that I was afraid. So I thought it was a cutting weight contest. Yeah. Yep. And it's not. What'd you, what'd you pull from this year? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I probably walked around at like 49, 48. So that's a that's and a, it was awesome. Yeah, that's a, a very manageable more pole, man. season right there. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like like in the summer I walked around at fifty four, fifty five, um, but you know just getting my natural body weight down, and you know it was just simply dehydrating the last two days. That that's all it took. I would walk out of practice at like forty four, forty five almost every single day, which was awesome. You know, I, I would have dreamed of that at thirty three, like. I would have walked out of practice right. at like thirty nine, forty. I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Like, still seven over. Like, dude, yeah, you're you're probably much happier, a much more pleasant person to be around too. I'm sure. Oh yeah, my roommates could attest to that. And, <laughs> you know, more than anything, it it not that I ever. I, I think at some points I did overtrain, um, but you know, college season's so long, and me getting down to weight at thirty three all those times, it takes a toll, man. Takes a real big toll. Do you wish you would have uh, gone forty-one your junior year? Yeah, that's one of the the biggest regrets I have because I think that I would have competed just as well, if not as well, as this year. So let me ask you this: um, you know, 
you lost in the blood round three years in a row. Um, what was your mindset coming into this season? Did you was there added pressure? What were, did those three previous losses? Was that just did that add fuel to your motivation, um, or did you come into season with <clears throat> with kind of like a, a a very you know the proverbial big monkey on your back? I mean, what was that pressure like? Um. You know, honestly, I've said this in a couple of different interviews and I don't want it to come off as, you know, me not thinking about it because there are, there are nights that, you know, I, I sometimes thought about it, but this year I've, I've really taken a new perspective on the sport where, you know, I'm not finding my identity or I'm not finding my meaning in the, my past experiences. I, I know I'm a great wrestler and what sucks about college wrestling and wrestling in general is your worth to so many people is how you place at nationals. That's exactly right. And and I know, and I know I'm an awesome wrestler. Like I know I've gotten as much out of myself as I can. And I know a lot of moves and I, I know I'm a great wrestler, whether it says it on paper, I'm not going into this year. I mean, that's whatever, but you know, I, I found my worth this year in a lot more than my results. So going into this year, I really didn't feel any kind of pressure, which I think freed me to compete to the level I knew I was able to compete at all four years, but I never had it because I didn't have that perspective, which was a big, big moment of growth for me because, you know, I needed that in my life big time. That's really interesting. I think that's, that's not what we would typically expect to hear you say, and probably not what we we, we would expect to hear many wrestlers say, but, you know, I, I think that's pretty interesting perspective, at least, um, it, I think when there's not that pressure on your back, you're able to perform better. You're able to have more fun. And I think the results speak for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's not that I never, ever, ever like, like I I thought about it, you know, those thoughts loom in your mind. Like if somebody says, you know, you never think about it, like, you know, being, being a mature, like good perspective athlete, isn't about, you know, not thinking about negative things. I've had our sports psychologist, Doc Freeman, um, he's talked to me about this a couple times. It's not about like block. It's a, it's about how you navigate those negative thoughts that kind of gives you the mental edge, not just pretending like you never heard it before, you know, negative thoughts loom into your mind. And it's like, you know, it's how you respond to those adversities that kind of make you who you are. So, so yeah, I, I yeah. thought those negative thoughts, I thought like, Oh man, like what happens if I don't all American this year? And then you kind of snap back out of it and you're like, okay, my worth isn't, if I'm an all American or not, my worth is how good of a brother I am, how good of a son I am, how good of a boyfriend I am and how good of a teammate I am. So let's get like really dark and scary here. Say you lose in the round of 12 this year. Like, I mean, how do you, how would you, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask the question, how would you felt? But like, I mean, I know that crossed your mind a little bit. I mean, you're, I guess your perspective is, it's not going to change you as a person, but I mean, you know, it's right. You're right. It defines you as a wrestler though. Yeah. Um, if I wouldn't have All-American this year, huh? I, I don't know. I I probably would have been down. I probably would have been just about as down as I was last year, depending on how it happened and the circumstances. But I probably would have got to – I mean, you care about something so much, and if you don't achieve it, yeah, obviously you're going to be really sad. And, you know, you work all your life for this goal. But I would have gotten over it a lot faster with the kind of mentality I have now, for sure. But, you know, and I think – one of the reasons behind that question from Ben is like, listen, a lot of guys can go to the national tournament. They can enjoy the experience. You know, they can go zero and two three years in a row. 
Um, and I don't think it quite, it stings, but I don't, I don't think it stings as much or has as much weight um, emotionally as going to the national tournament and making that blood round three years in a row and, and not being victorious. And then it's like your last chance. So to, to us, at least to the, to the casual, the average people, to me, it seems that's a lot of, I would be feeling a lot it of pressure. It would scare the shit out of me. Shit out of me. Absolutely. It would scare, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I would wrestle. I would have probably sent out a stunt double. <laughs> I would have sent George DeCamillo. Yeah, like the no- <laughs> yeah, the normal you couldn't do it. So let's, let's try someone else. <laughs> right. So, but you know what? That didn't happen to you. Yeah, surprise, you, wake you, up. You, it didn't happen. You went into the NCAA tournament as a senior, as the sixth seed. Um, you know, I, I you got on a roll. Tell me tell me what it felt like. What were what was your feelings? What was the thoughts that went through your head when you beat Tommy Thorne from Minnesota in the quarterfinals to guarantee top six? Honest to God, I'll tell you the feeling was it was excitement. It was wow, I did it. Like, this is, this is my goal, but it wasn't my entire goal. You know, I, I honestly remember I, I was in on a single. I had his leg above my head just kind of waiting for the clock to tick down, five, four. And before I even watched the clock look over or switch to zero, I look at the other mat to see who I got. And I saw that Bryce <laughs> Meredith upset Kevin Jack. And I was like, it's time to get to the finals. It's time to win. So that that got me excited. I was fired up, but I was I was fired up that I was wrestling Bryce and, and he's an awesome competitor, but I was excited for that matchup. I was I was looking ahead. I was I was celebrating the moment, but at the same time I was like, All right, now now I can get to the finals. Now now is when I could really achieve my dream. Did you feel like you could have t- you you kinda of could take a deep breath after you beat Thorne? Or I mean, or were you not even thinking about that at the time? I, I, I took a little bit of a deep breath. It kind of hit me when I was going through all the media, all the protocol, all that kind of stuff. It was like, man, I, when I looked at my phone, I saw like all the congratulations messages from home. Um, that That's when it kind of hit me. It, it let me step back a little bit just because I had a little time before my match with Bryce um, in the semis. So it... it it kind of it allowed me to take a step back, but my eyes were set on first. My eyes weren't set on top eight. Okay, so then, all right, you, you beat Thorne. You look over with with his with his leg in the air, and you see that uh, Thor, or Meredith just beat uh, uh just upset Jack. Um, so that next match with uh, Meredith, that was a pretty high score match, wasn't it? Ten seven. Yeah, ten seven final. Talk about that match. <laughs> um. Well. I wrestled Bryce twice when I was uh, a sophomore. He was a true freshman when he was at NC State, so I so I knew I knew kind of what he was like. But uh, you know, funny funny thing here, my uh, my biggest problem throughout my career, and it was something I never fixed. But everyone kind of always, my dad, Coach Garland, everybody would say, "Why why do you always get taken down first? Like. <laughs> <laughs> you look at all my. If you will go back and watch all my matches, I guarantee you, eighty-five percent of the matches I got taken down first. Like, I could be wrestling a random kid at the Virginia Duels, and I would get taken down first. It's just, it's a mental, it's a mental thing with me. And when you know it, first ten seconds of the match against Bryce, takedown right away. <laughs> or he gets the takedown right away. I was like, okay. And I'm so trained for the situation at that point that. I really didn't think much of it. It wasn't that I had to try and come back or anything. It was just, you know, I had to do my thing. 
uh, I felt like it was honestly just a match in practice because I was so relaxed. And so, you know, all the lights and media, it didn't really hit me. It just, it kind of felt like practice. It, it felt like it was right what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt comfortable. I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel any sort of anxiety. I didn't feel timid. Um, I, I just felt like I was doing something with a purpose. And, and, and that's why I think I was able to win. That's awesome. Um, I mean, definitely just the way you've described that, I think that's great for wrestlers to hear, especially younger wrestlers. Um, and of course, like you said, you were able to come out of that match victorious, which put you, I mean, in the NCAA finals against the top rank, uh, Dean Heil, obviously you guys have had a history with each other. Um, you wrestled at the Southern scuffle in a kind of a controversial match. Um, you wrestled in high school, you know, multiple times. Um, how excited were you to face uh, to face Dean in the finals that night? I was really excited. And, you know, obviously me and Dean, you know, I said it on the media thing and the fi- before the finals is like we were rivals since we were six years old. Ever since I started wrestling for Mayfield when I was a little kid, we were rivals. And it, it I, I feel like sometimes people get like this, this perception that, like I genuinely hate Dean Heil, but honestly, no, like it's this competitive friendly, it's a friendly competitiveness to where, you know, on the mat, we're going to do everything we can to rip each other's throats out. And, you know, it's just something like that where, you know, I'm excited to compete. I, on the mat, you know, I wanted to really, I wanted to win really badly. Um, you know, I, I really felt like I opened up. I tried, tried some stuff and, you know, I just didn't fall in my favor, but you know, I was, I was excited for the match, man. It was so much fun, just the atmosphere, the lights, the media. I was, it, it, you couldn't have wrote a better story for the way it kind of ended other than the fact that I lost. Yeah, that's understandable. I saw one of the things you tweeted <clears throat> out or something that it was like the Parade of Champions was cool, but who stole your – was it Lee Zach that stole your walkout music? Is that what you said? Yeah, you, I was what? in the back. I was in one of the warm-up rooms, and uh, – I I, lo- I was listening to like the walkout songs because I was just kind of interested. And Cruz walked out to whatever song he walked out to. And all of a sudden, I hear the song I was walking out to for Lezak, and I was like, "He stole my walkout song." <laughs> and I thought it was kind of a funny joke because right. we, we kind of make fun of WWE. So I walked out to the John Cena song, okay. and so apparently he thinks the same thing's funny. So <laughs> and guess he has, guess he has again a good sense of humor too. So if he's listening, good sense of humor, but. So uh, I want to just one more thing about the Dean Heil finals match. If you can, you know, it was a six to three match. I think, you know, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. I think Heil executed a couple of very well, um, well executed takedowns, but if you could change, go back and change one thing from that match, one thing that you did, what what would it be? Um, I think, huh? You know, I haven't really thought about it too much, but I think the one thing I would change is, uh, you know, there's there was one shot that I hit at the end of the second period where if I would have hit it with, like, a little more than five seconds left, I definitely would have finished. Um, so maybe just the willingness to try that one shot where, you know, I went, I went, I grabbed his right wrist, I rolled it off, I sweeped into a, a left-sided single leg, um, went up, split the middle. You know, you, you, I, I could see that image in my head perfectly. Where was his right but, wrist at? Was it on? Was it on your forehead? Yeah, it was on my forehead. He posted. I rolled it off. He stepped with his leg. I swept into a yep. single, split the middle, 
Dude, they, they rolled me through. They and stepped with their like. If I would have had a little, yeah. If I would have had a like, if I would have tried the shot in the like, I don't know, with a minute left, I, I think I would have got the takedown. I like I like to believe I would have got the takedown. Maybe because he, I mean, he could scramble through just about anything. So who knows? But I, I think that's one shot that, you know, I wish I would have. You know, I, I'm ha- I'm happy I took the shot, but. I wish I would have done it with a lot more than five seconds left. So talking about him scrambling through every position, um, give me the non-politically correct uh, discussion about your Southern Scuffles final with him. Yeah, What are your thoughts about that match? Man, I thought I had two a couple of different times, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was kind of frustrating just because it's funny. Like I, throughout the match, I could hear, my entire team is sitting right behind the head table. Like three rows up, you just see blue and orange. Like UVA, you don't see it on the full wrestling team because it's it's behind them. But, you know, I, I hear the whole Virginia contingency in the entire arena booing. Um, you you kind of feed off that a little bit. You kind of, you know, take that role upon yourself to, to be the guy who goes out and attacks. And I felt like I was. Um, I felt like, you know, my offense was really on that day, but, you know, obviously the ref, you know, felt differently about the way I was attacking. I got hit for stalling once, I think. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, yeah, and uh, just a, a couple of the takedown calls. You know, the the one, you know, not just the fact that I, I didn't get a takedown at the end of the second period, but the fact that he got a takedown was kind of just bizarre to me. And then, you know, the last scramble with about 30 seconds left, I it's like I had him pretty firmly on his back, but you know that's you know that's nothing against Dean. That's just you know the way the match played out. You know, obviously he got his hand raised in the end, so you know it is what it is. It is Looking what it back, is. You know, it, it you know a lot of times our coach, Coach Garland, he you know he talks a lot about you know not being fixed on you know the result because so much of the the results are out of our hands. Sometimes I, I literally felt like that one was. Completely out of my hands. I, I, did, I did just about as much as I could to try and take out the defending national champ, um, if not more than I thought I could have done. Sure, so. sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we watched that match. It was a great match. <clears throat> you know, you definitely gave it a, a hell of a go, and there's probably a, an argument to Somebody be made. Was pinned. Yeah. <laughs> Some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it, it kind of goes with, like, the whole theme of this year for me. It's like, you know, that match, my approach was just like, screw it. I'm going to go out and attack as much as I can. And, you know, hopefully I'm going to get one of these. So I just, I felt like I was really freed that match. I just felt like I wasn't nervous. I kind of just threw caution to the wind and just let it, let it fly. So George, I want to ask you about this. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed um, after the NCAA tournament was done, when the, when the awards were given out for the, for the 141 pound weight class, um, I noticed when you were on the podium, you, you you seemed to be a little emotional while you were on the podium, at least from, from what I saw on the big screen. And I've kind of gone back and forth in my head since then, wondering, you know, where your emotions were coming from. Did it have more to do with you not becoming a national champion, or did it have more to do with everything that you had gone through those previous three years culminating into a national runner-up All-American finish? Um, wow. it's a good question. I, I would definitely say both, you know, I felt like, you know, I, 
it was definitely more of the latter, more of, sure. uh, you know, just the culmination of, you know, the adversity I, I've been through, kind of how much I grew as a person by, by tackling this, this going up a weight class thing. And, you know, I kind of, you kind of just see a, a flashback of the last however many years of your life wrestling and, and all the, the trips and, you know, all the, everything that's happened, you know, my injury, um, just everything I fought through to, to get to where I am and all the people who helped me along the way, that was definitely a big, big part of it. But the other part too, is like, you know, my goal is to be a national champion and, you know, UVA has never had one. And I was so close. True story. Yeah. Yeah. Garland took second too, right? And Garland took second. And then there's, there's a guy in like the, I couldn't even tell you what year. I don't even know what his name is, but there was another guy who took second as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it stung in that sense too. I, that's something I wrote on my mirrors, put on my steering wheel, like all the cliches. I just, that, that's something I really wanted really badly. Yeah. And to have it take not I wouldn't say taken away from me, but you know, just not earned. So, uh kind of stung. So I love the tweet that you tweeted out the uh the day of the finals. It, when your basically your alarm <clears throat> your alarm went off and it was like the you know, the, the last time that my alarm's going off and it said something about two thousand and seventeen national champion or whatnot. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um Did you yeah, set the alarm I, that morning? Yeah, I set the alarm every morning, and uh, you know it, it's it's funny. You know when I went up, a lot of people, including a lot of people who were really close to me, probably thought I was crazy. And you know I tweeted out, "It's time to stop dreaming. It's time to stop. Stop. Time to stop dreaming, and time to start living." You know, it's crazy just the way this year turned out, and you know I, I was ready, pumped. I was excited. Every I was as well prepared as I could be. Okay, so besides um, winning an NCAA title, which you were pretty damn close to doing, uh, what's one other thing you wish you would have accomplished in your college career? One thing I would have accomplished. You, one thing, one thing you I would, wish I would have yeah, accomplished. Besides winning the title. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to win a fourth ACC championship. That's never been done at UVA. Um. Yeah, that would have been a really cool, cool way to to go into NCAA's uh, to to win a fourth one. Um, but that 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 thought was kind of on the back burner because of the overall goal. If if me losing at ACCs would have been, you know, led me to do better in nationals, I would have been fine with it, which it kind of did. Sure. But 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 winning a fourth ACC title would have been special to me. But you know, it's all part of the process, in my opinion. So because we're huge wrestling nerds and we watch a ton of wrestling, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. <clears throat> so who is the toughest guy you've ever wrestled? In, huh. in, we'll go in college. Yeah, college can be fine or college and high school, whatever, you know. Oh, man, I wrestle a lot. I can name a, a couple. That, I'll, I'll do a couple because I can't just limit it to one because there are <laughs> right. a lot of guys who I thought were really either just annoying or just really tough to wrestle. Yeah, My first, I'll wrestle? say, honestly, I there are two guys that I, I really didn't like wrestling, and it's probably because they're really good at wrestling. First, uh, as a kid, I, I beat him twice once was kind of on accident that i beat him um this kid he's a division two national champ 
name was Daniel DeShazer. Daniel DeShazer, yeah, I know him. And he was my kryptonite. He had my number on so many different occasions. So I've wrestled him. Uh, he wrestled at Kearney? I wrestled him. At, yeah, I wrestled in Nebraska Kearney. Yeah. I defend. I defensive pinned him when I was losing by like five. My uh, my first year of college when I went to. I wrestled him all the time at Vegas. That was the only yep. time I wrestled him. Yeah. Um, I was down by five and I defensive pinned him my first year. Definitely shouldn't have won that match. Um, wrestled him for fifth and sixth in Vegas one year, and uh, he pancaked me and pinned me. <laughs> and then I ended up beating him the next year, but like. A guy like that who's just short, stocky, and really explosive is like yeah. my all-time kryptonite. But I'll play – I'll kind of go against those words I just said and say the next most frustrating guy I've ever wrestled is Kevin Jack by far. Yeah. Uh, he, he definitely had my number this year when we wrestled both times. His style is just – it's just something that's – not a lot of guys can figure it out. Um, you know, he beat me by major in the dual meet and he beat me by like, mm-hmm. I don't know, four or no, not four, definitely more than four, probably like six or seven at ACCs. Right. And he's really, really talented and he's really good at what he does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you hit it, man. It's incredible. I don't know how he's as tall as he is and he makes 41. I would. Oh, that's tough. He's so long. His he's, arms are so freaking long. He's got such great reach. He's he's also one of the – me and Ben have talked about this multiple times. Like, Kevin Jack is one of those don't guys that – Don't want me in this. I don't like um, He's so good in all three positions. I mean, he's good on his feet, not just with his offense, but his defense as well. He can ride. He's hard to be ridden. I mean, he's just – he's a pretty tough dude, man. Yeah, and it's funny. People – like, the, the ACC gave me ACC wrestler of the year and – they they tag me in the post, and people in the post are saying, "Oh well, Kevin Jack beat you by like 15 points in two matches this year. Like, what the heck? Well, yeah, well, like he's he's really good. It's nothing to get, take away from him. Like, he's awesome. So why do you like, think, why are you why are you yelling at me? Why do you think Meredith was able to figure him out? Do you think it maybe had something to do with the familiarity, or do you think that that's just a little too hyped up? <clears throat> I think I think part of it was just the fact that they went to school together for a year and they knew each other's tendencies. Good point. Um, I mean, if I if I got the chance to wrestle with Kevin every single day for a year, I think I, the matches would have been a little bit closer. I like to think. Um, so I think just being around each other, the fact that they're friends and you know they're both really funky, they both have similar styles. I think that had a big part of uh, part to do with it for sure. But I'm kind of happy it did, it did work out that way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I definitely, you know, it worked out <laughs> better out. for you in the end. Um, did you and because 141 was pretty deep in the ACCs. Not only was there you and Kevin Jack, but also Joey Ward, um, who unfortunately had his injury this year. How many times did you and uh, did you and jo- uh, Ward meet in college? <clears throat> uh, we wrestled. Well, we were both at 33 when we were true freshmen, and. We, I mean, we were both obviously Ohio guys, and we knew each other. We're friends. Um, sure. But yeah, we wrestled twice in my true freshman year when we were both probably cutting too much weight, making thirty-three. Um, and then we wrestled twice this year at ACCs and in the dual meet. Gotcha. So l- l- let's get onto this. I mean, we've had you on for a while. We've only got a few questions left for you, but one one of the questions I'd like to to hear you you know answer is you know 
obviously besides yourself, who's had the biggest impact on your wrestling career? Um, that's tough. Coach Garland and Coach Lean come to mind. Um, definitely my teammates, but you know, I think it all, it all goes back to my parents. Um, you know, all the influence they've had on me in terms of investment, in terms of, you know, loving me, supporting me, pushing me to be my best. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, you, you can't put a dollar sign on that and you can't, you know, put a number on that. It's just, it's genuine love. It's, it's care and, and belief that, you know, they want to make me into the best person that I could be. And for that, I'm ever, I'm forever grateful and forever in debt to them for kind of raising me to be the person I am as a wrestler and as a person. Um, you know, I love them and they're awesome. And, you know, especially my dad, the way he was my coach all through high school, all through middle school, all through grade school. And, and the amount of, of dedication he put into me being the best that I could be is you know, you, you you can't you can't put a number on it. Like I said, what did um, what your dad say to you after you uh, both after you won after you beat Thorne and then after you lost to Heil? You know, no 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 words needed to be said. He just came up to me, gave me a hug, and said he loved me. You know, it, it's pretty simple. You know, exactly you, you kind of yeah, you, you don't need to say words in those kind of scenarios. You just. You just you give each other a hug, and you know both both situations are the same. You know, after the quarters, after the semis, after the finals, you just you grab them, you hug them, you cry, tell them you love them. That's it. You know, it's it's a special thing that me and my dad have. That's that's gonna make me that's cry awesome. seriously. Like that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not, Sorry, no. I'm not joking around. That's, that is awesome. That is awesome. So yeah, let's go. You know, we'll start wrapping things up here, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Again, I'm <clears> super grateful to have you on. Um, at this point, would you say, are you done wrestling? Are you not going to compete in the international styles? Yeah, I'm awful at freestyle. Okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely terrible at freestyle. So, uh, gotcha. I think, I think this is the end of my competitive wrestling career. And, uh, I'm just kind of looking forward to this next, this next part of life. So the speaking, speaking of the next part of life, um, what is that? Are, are you, do you have an interest in coaching? What are you, what are you majoring in? Are you, do you have a profession in mind that you're shooting for? Yeah, so uh, I graduated. I actually graduated my undergrad last year. Okay. Uh, I got my degree in uh, economics with a minor in statistics. Uh, this year was kind of just a little gap year where I took some prerequisites to, uh, to apply to a couple MBA programs back home. Um, and I think the decision I've come to is – I'm, uh, I'm going to be a graduate assistant next year at John Carroll University. Uh, I'm going to help out there and get my master's, my master's in business. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, like, man, Cleveland State would probably love to have you as a coach, uh, but John Carroll too. Wow, that's cool stuff, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of things that went into the decision. You know, I I got calls from Josh at Cleveland State and everything, and mm-hmm. a lot of other places, but you know, one, I want to be close to home. Two, uh, you know, the education there is, is what I'm looking for. Um, being, being, just being close to home in general is a big part of it for me because, you know, five years ago, you know, my family and my girlfriend took a big leap of faith, not allowing me, but just trusting that I'd make the, the most of my experience here in Virginia. And now it's time for me to come home and invest in a lot more areas in my life than wrestling. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to work with the wrestling team there. I'm excited to be really close to home to, Especially my girlfriend Julie. Shout out to her; she's awesome. Nice. Um, 
So, you know, obviously you said you were going to be an, you know, a grad assistant at John Carroll. Do you have, um, do you aspire to be a coach, you know, later on in life? Or are you, or are you ready to move on to, you know, the, I guess the business world or the professional world or whatnot? Um, you know, maybe, maybe at a, a club or a high school level, maybe, but I don't think I'm going to be getting into coaching in college or, okay. you know, because I, I want, I would love to be a coach. I think coaching is the coolest thing. Um, I honestly don't really think the, the lifestyle, the always traveling, uh, just kind of that aspect of coaching is, is something that really doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't please me too much. So I, I want to stay involved in the sport for sure. I don't want to completely bag wrestling because wrestling is, you know, taught me so much. And, but so I think, yeah, I think you've, I'm, kind of, uh, you've kind of put it out there that you're, uh, you're, you're available for clinics right now. Correct. Yeah. If anyone wants a clinic, reach out. I I have the whole summer to, you know, to kind of spend prepping for my MBA and, you know, I might be, have a couple summer reading books or something, but I I'm completely free this summer. If you need me, reach out, just follow me on Twitter or something. But, and, uh, I think you had an email out there for people, correct? What, what's the best place for people to email yeah. if they want to set up clinics? G as in George M as in Michael. And then my last name, D Camillo, GM D Camillo at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. If anybody wants to have me out, just reach out. All right. So last question for you, George, this is something that we pretty much ask anybody that we're interviewing. Um, you know, you've got, you know, obviously great knowledge of the Virginia team. Give us and give our listeners one guy to look out for on the Virginia wrestling team that, that people may not know about or that you expect to make a big jump. Who should be, who should we be watching for next year? And don't give me Jack Mueller because we know, yeah, we know he's a lead. stud. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I was going to say Jack expects to be the national next year. It's a race to see you the first year, but, uh, right. huh? I got, I got two in mind. I got two. If, both. if Louis Hayes can get into the lineup and Mickey Philippi, I think they're two lightweight guys who, who, you know, they're not really under the radar guys. They're really high ta- talented recruits and they've worked hard this year, but man, if we could find a way to get Louie in the lineup and, and get Mickey in there too, watch out, man. UVA is going to be really good and they're both going to be really good next year. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm actually going to have to go look up uh, Louie Hayes and see some of his matches. We know Philippi, he's, that kid's a pretty tough kid. Yeah, Mickey's tough, man. He's he's a scrapper. He's a goer. He's one of my favorite people to go with just because he gives me such a hard time sometimes. But, yeah, he's awesome. All right, George, before we let you go, is there anybody else you want to shout out? Uh, I gave a shout-out to Jules already. Uh, shout-out to my family. Uh, thanks to, to all my teammates. Uh, couldn't have done it without you guys. And uh, go Hoos. That's basically it. Gotcha. All right, George. Listen, man, thanks again for coming on with us tonight. We've been super excited about this to have one of our own Ohio guys on, especially a guy that's battled adversity the last few years and finally, you know, was able to get on, get up on that podium, not only on that podium, but, you know, in the finals, finishing as a national runner-up. So thanks a lot, man, and best of luck to you and your future endeavors. And uh, please, by all means, keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Loved it. We'll talk to you later, George. Take care, man. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right, guys, so there you have it. That is the, uh, I guess, the voice of truth from a, from a fellow wrestler, a fellow Ohio guy who 
battled a lot of adversity throughout his college career, um, three times losing in the blood round before finally pushing through his senior year, not only getting on the podium, but making the finals and earning that runner-up finish. I thought he had a lot of great insight, Ben. Man, what an awesome interview. That kid, you can tell his head is screwed appropriately and correctly on his shoulders. I, I think one of the biggest things I thought was neat about what he said was talking about cutting weight and how this isn't yes. a, it is not a cutting weight contest. And too often, you know, in high school and college, people make it a cutting weight contest. I mean, absent the only way you're being in the lineup is sucking a lot of weight and, you know, you're pulling one for the team. You know, I don't see the need anymore to cut a, cut a ton of weight. Look, you get down to a fighting weight, but you shouldn't be cutting a ton. If you look at pictures of George D. Camillo this year, he did not look like a small 141-pounder. He looked like a fine-sized 141. Look, I think anybody that's ever wrestled or who has ever been close to the sport of wrestling, we can all agree that wrestling in itself is a very, very challenging sport. It's a grind. It takes a toll on you mentally and physically. Um, We always talk about embracing the grind or enjoying the process. But when you're cutting weight, it just it makes it to a point to where all you can't enjoy all that other stuff because you're just miserable about cutting weight. Yeah, I mean, I I quit my final year in college because I I didn't want to cut any more weight. I mean, that's bottom line is that's I, I, I hated the sport because of the weight cut. So no, it's a great point. And I think it just goes his story, George D. Camillo's story for all, you know, all you young athletes that may listen to this podcast. Again, here's a guy that was successful in high school. He probably could have been more successful, but he even admitted himself. He cut a lot of weight and then he comes into college and he cut a lot of weight. He lost in that blood round three times. And then finally, when he bumps up to a more natural weight class, He's able to hone in on his craft, and look what happens. He ends up second on the podium. Yeah, makes the you freaking know, finals. So, makes the finals. You know, get down to your fighting weight, but don't cut too much. That's all I got to say about that. Anyway, so next week, I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to you and I just bullshitting about some wrestling. All right. You I'm know? down. You down with that? You going to be here? I'm going to be here. Right, we are definitely going to be back. So... Hope you guys enjoyed this interview. We hope you've enjoyed the interviews we've been able to bring to you the past few weeks. As Ben and I said, one of our, you know, one of the things we truly believe in is that everyone has a story to tell, and we're happy that we got to bring some of those stories to you this year. So, anyway, that's all we got. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and as always, don't wind up on your back, bro.